Good morning, church. Good morning, morning. It's always good to be here in the house of the Lord this morning. I want us to all go ahead and stand up, get stretched out, and let's sing to the Lord this morning. Sing out with your voices. Seeing somebody giving you signs from the bag back there. Oh my, good to see y'all this morning. Look, let's keep singing. I love this song. It's a new hymn. Amen. What he's done. Beautiful song. Sing that out this morning.
can't this is a place to take care of it amen in just a little while no not even in a little while right now right now grace is forever here forever free anytime you want to come down <laughs> one of us will meet you here and explain that to you then you can say my sins are forgiven my future is heaven and i praise god for what he's done amen amen thank y'all thank y'all for being here this morning it's good to see this good crowd good to see we've got some visitors here with us some folks we had not seen in a while good to see you here with us this morning but we're just here to worship and to praise him and to glorify him it's been a if you're a teacher are you a teacher counselor teacher got anything to do with school it's been a week hadn't it student <laughs> y'all had a good week <laughs> day i mean this has been a day for some of you but hey you know god is good god will take us through every challenge we'll we'll come in in touch with in our life so anyway it's just good to be in god's house today thank you all so much for being here i want you to do something this morning miss janice and the folks back here are going to play a little uh little song majesty we want you just to turn around you don't have to walk a lot but i want you to greet some folks this morning okay if uh, if you don't know by getting close to you do this otherwise let's shake hands and love on folks this morning all right
message in some of those old hymns are just, they're just so true and ring out, don't they? How I've proved him o'er and o'er. How many can, of you can attest to that in your life? Time after time after time, God's always there. Amen. Good song. I, I love that. Let's sing this together. I will ride.
the day that's going to be when we hear our name called will rise to be with you forever and ever in glory. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for this day, for this time together, for the privilege we've had to worship you with song this morning. I pray to be with Taylor right now, Lord, as he comes to preach to us today. I pray, God, you'd give him power and boldness to preach what you've laid on his heart. We give you all the glory and all the honor, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Isn't it a, a wonderful and glorious thing, church, that we have a God who holds us not only today, but also for eternity. So we will rise with him if we are in Christ. We'll spend eternity with him. That is a, that is a good thing. That is a good thing. Uh, for, for, before we get into Ephesians 4, I, I just got to make mention of Wednesday night. I think that it's extremely important what we've, me and my dad and Clint have talked through and planned for the upcoming season, and Wednesday night kicks it off. So I'll start with the student ministry. If if you don't already know, Wednesday night, student ministry at 6.30, we'll have a meal at 6, right? Huh? 5.30, okay. Be here for the meal, fellowship, and be together with, with each other. But at 6.30 in the student ministry, obviously I want all of my students, but I want my parents with me as well. So if you have a student in the student ministry, please come be with us Wednesday night. We're going to recap a little bit of where we've been over the summer, the things we've done, and we've done a lot. We've done a lot this past summer. And I want to recap that with you, and I want you to, to know where we're going because you are a part of the student ministry. I want you to, to be with us hand in hand as we walk together with your student and trying to train your student, teach your student. You are the most important, vital part of that connection. Um, I've only got them just a few hours a week, I, I guess an, an hour or two a week. You've got them all week long. So it's, it's vitally important that we're together, but you are the most important part. And I want you there on Wednesday night to see where we're going to be um, in the next few months. Um, Pastor Mike <laughs> will be teaching an adult class in the choir room. What book? I forget. Huh? Hebrews. Okay. Hebrews. There will be coffee, just in case you're wondering. Okay. In the choir room, 6.30, okay? Be here for that um, for, you know, this whole whole time. Is it going to, how many weeks are you going to go in Hebrews? As long as it takes. All right. So y'all come be a part of that as we walk through those things together. Ephesians 4, if you would, go ahead and, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I'm so sorry. I had that on my mind and, whew. yes, ma'am. Women's study on Wednesday night at 6.30 as well. And you're meeting in the conference room, okay? Back on the left, okay? That's good, thank you. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. This far we've walked through the first uh, three chapters of Ephesians looking at what God has done. And I'm, I'm thankful, and I love what we've done. I'm, I'm thankful to what... God has done in Clint's heart and his mind as he's prepared for these uh, messages and has led us in this direction of walking through, going through a book 
this way because it allows us to see the entirety of the book's purpose. We don't just get a, you know, just get a sermon here and there, but we get the whole picture that we need to, that we need to see from a book. So Paul, through the work of the Holy Spirit, lays this book out beautifully for us. I, Ephesians is probably my favorite book. I love Ephesians. I love chapter 2. I love chapter 4 as we study. But he lays it out beautifully for us and allows us to witness the work of God, but then offers us a directive, kind of a command from Paul. The Christian is not simply just to know about the works of God, but doing the works of God. Those of us who are in Christ, we have a purpose. It's not just to, to sit in a pew or hear a sermon or uh, just, to, just to be a Christian. We have a purpose. So the first three books of Ephesians teach us some great truths. And we've covered them in the previous weeks. But Paul, as we've talked about, Clint has mentioned, Paul gives us a lot of therefores, don't he? He gives us, a, if we read the works of Paul, there are, there's therefores everywhere. What is Paul wanting us to do? He's wanting us to remember what he has just said. So if you read something in the morning, and then you go to pick it up the next morning, and the first word is therefore, reread what you wrote yesterday, what you read yesterday, and then read through, because you need to know what you read yesterday. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, church, I don't remember what I read in Scripture the day before. I just don't. Mine don't work like that some days. So we need to know what it's there for. I hate to be a walking cliche, but sometimes us preacher boys, we're just, that's what we are. We're just cliches, just waiting to happen. But there is a therefore. So he gave it to us. So let's refresh. We need to know what we've already studied. So chapter 1, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. He made us holy and blameless before him in Christ. He adopted us. In him we have redemption through the blood. We have obtained an inheritance in heaven, not because of what we have done, but because of who he is. Chapter 2, we find our condition before him. We were once what in our sins? Dead. We were once dead in our sins, okay? We were dead. What can a dead person do? Nothing. We were once dead in our sins. We live for the flesh. We find that, that, that because he is so rich in mercy and because he loves us so greatly, those of us in Christ have been made what? Come on, church. Made what? Alive. Okay, we were dead. Christ made us alive. We are alive. He raised us up with him, as we just spoke of or sang of. We are raised up with Christ. He alone has saved us. He alone has secured our future. He has brought us together in Christ. Chapter 3, God intends to bless us, use us, and teach us about the mystery of Christ. We've talked about that the last couple of weeks. His everlasting love and his, and his grace, he has showed us and he's teaching us as he's molding us into himself. 
Now that we have heard these things the past several weeks and we know these things, we hope that they are ingrained in our hearts and in our minds and that we are open to the Word of God. Paul shifts gears. Now Paul desires to teach us how then we should live. Let's stand together. It's been our tradition over the last several months together. And we'll read verses 4, or we'll read chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, and through all and in all. Let's pray. Father, let your word reign supreme this morning. Speak through me. Let us all have ears to hear and open hearts and open minds to receive the word of God that it may be implanted in us and live in us and be alive in us as it is alive itself. Let us hear these words this morning. Let me hear my own words this morning as, as you've walked and, and, and worked in my life this week, as I've seen sin and seen missteps and seen things in my life that need cleaning up, Father. Let us all hear your word this morning. Speak to us clearly, Father. We love you and we praise you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Verse 1, we're going to walk through this thing the way we've been going, verse through verse. In verse 1, Paul, who declares himself a prisoner of the Lord, implores us to walk in a certain manner. We know that Paul is writing as a prisoner of Rome, but he doesn't make mention of that here. He's not letting us know that he's a prisoner of Rome here. He is saying he is a prisoner of of the Lord. Let's see his words again. I am a prisoner of the Lord, not of Rome. I am a prisoner of the Lord. He is bound to Christ by love. Christ, when he saves us, binds us together. And it is from that love that he is writing this letter. And we need to see here, too, that he's writing to the church at Ephesus, obviously, the name of the book, Ephesians. But it still is good for us today to hear what, what Paul has said and hear the truth that he is saying, he's, and he's imploring you as an individual. He's imploring you. He isn't writing as a man simply giving instructions. Have, have, have y'all ever, I, I know you have, y'all got a package from Amazon at Christmas, and it's got instructions in it on how to put this thing together. Now, do you think that the person who wrote those instructions has ever put that thing together? Because I do not. I have put, I have put too many things together by instructions, and it'd be a total disaster. Paul is not writing to us this way here. 
He is writing as one who is living out the calling of God on his life. He's not just writing these instructions and writing these things for us to, to hear and to see, and th these are suggestions. No, he is writing these as truths of God. As a prisoner of the Lord, he has a mission, as do we. We have mission. We have been called. So Paul implores, urges, or beseeches what, whatever your, uh, your version of the Bible uses there, those three words, uh, he's, he is beseeching us or urging us, imploring us to live in a certain way. He is doing from a point of conviction and experience. He is writing from a point of conviction and experience. God saved him and God called him. Paul is urging us to live, in, to live the manner worthy of the calling. And we can search the world over for different avenues to follow, but to live worthy of the calling is to live by the book, to live by God's Word. You see, when Paul is writing, he's always pointing us and, and sending us back to God himself in, in, in his book. He's calling us to live by the gospel. The walk of life Paul is referring to here is much like what Jesus tells us in Matthew 28. Jesus says to go. He isn't talking about making special arrangements for a short-term mission trip or living as a long-term missionary, although those things are great and we are going to do those things here in the future. But rather, his instruction is to live in a certain way same as Paul is doing. As we are going, as we are going, where do we go? We go to the grocery store. We go to work. We go to the ball game. We go to all kinds of different places. As we are going, we are to preach and teach and make disciples. Paul is using that same type of language here at the beginning of chapter 4. We are to walk in such a way as to spread the gospel wherever we are going. And this isn't, a, this isn't a passive spreading of the gospel that if we just, if we live good, people will know that we're different. No, this is a, a, a verbal and an active and an, a, making an attempt to, sh to spread and share the gospel. Do you think the prisoners are the, the, well, the prisoners too, but the prison guards knew who Jesus Christ was by the time Paul got done with him. He was active in his sharing of the gospel and active in, in making disciples. I'm going to move down to verse 3 for a moment before we get into these descriptive words that Paul uses in verse 2. In verse 3 he writes, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. First, where, where is unity found? Where do we find it? Well, we find it in the Spirit. I, I, I preached a sermon here some months ago before I was here as an interim student pastor and spoke on unity. And we spoke about where we find it at. We find it in, we find it in the Spirit. We find it in the person of Christ. We find it in God the Father. The Holy Spirit living in each believer 
bounds us together as one. We are bound together. You are my brothers and sisters if you are in Christ. We are together just in the same way that, that Aaron is my, my sister in the flesh and physically and biologically she's my sister. You are my sister and brother in the spirit. The Holy Spirit bounds us together. Secondly, in order to preserve this unity, we must be diligent. We must be diligent. That means we must be careful. We must be attentive. We must be sensitive to what's going on and, and, and the way that others might be feeling and the way others might receive a message. So how are we to do this? Well, these descriptive words, I believe, Paul gives us in chapter 2 to show us our role in this unity. Paul uses these words so that we will know how to do this urging that he has called us to do in verse 1. Humility, gentleness, patience, showing tolerance are all ways we shall live and should live in order to preserve this unity. Humility or lowliness isn't a form of weakness but a manner of living that causes us to do a couple of things. We must not consider ourselves too much. We're, we're nothing without Christ. Chapter 2 teaches us that clearly and plainly, that without Christ we are nothing, can do nothing, for we are dead. We are dead. We can do nothing. We have the ability to do nothing. But with Christ, we can do these things. When Jesus was confronted by the religious leaders in Matthew 22, verses 37 and moving forward, he teaches us that we are to love the Lord your God and then love your neighbor as yourself. We are not that important in this life apart from God. Do not think too highly of yourself. Jesus there was using a little bit of sarcasm, love your neighbor as yourself. He knew that there would be plenty of pride and self-love involved in our day-to-day lives. So he's telling us to love our neighbor in that same way, to consider our neighbor more highly than us. If you think too highly of yourself, it will only lead to pride and destruction. And with that pride comes the disruption of unity. Disruption of unity in the body, disruption of unity in your home, disruption of unity in your own, in your own life. In your own life, when, when things are falling apart, you, it might be pride causing the issue. It might be pride causing the issue. John the Baptist was a great evangelist. We consider him and we hold him very highly. He was a great preacher. He baptized Jesus. He preached the message of Jesus even before Jesus had begun his earthly ministry. But even John the Baptist knew that he wasn't that important. In John 1, he states, The one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Let's consider ourselves lowly, with humility. Knowing that without Christ, we are nothing. In the same mind as humility, God, or Paul, gives us gentleness. And I, I struggle with being gentle. 
Does anybody, anybody know that? I struggle with being, with being gentle. And it really hit me this week. It, re- it really hits me often um, that I am often not gentle even when I am not intending to be unkind or lack gentleness. I find myself being that way anyway. And Heather reminds me of that often. I'm not calling you out. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit uses you in that way to remind me. And with that in mind, let us consider that with one another. That if a brother or sister comes to you and, and, and says, hey, I've noticed this in your life. Let's not get defensive. Let's consider what they're saying. Let's find out if it's a reality. And let's learn from that. The Holy Spirit uses Heather to correct my brashness in my life. It's not fixed yet. Well, maybe one day we'll get there. God is still working on me. Amen. But I'm thankful that he uses her in this way. To remain unified in the Spirit, we must speak kindly. And our actions must reflect the gentleness of the Spirit that is within us. The Holy Spirit is in us, living in us, changing us, and molding us, convicting us. Even in in disagreement, let the words of my mouth be pleasing to God, as the psalmist wrote to us in chapter 19. We see this throughout Scripture. Uh, No one would consider uh, Moses or David as as being uh, weak or not strong or having a passive uh, attitude or mind. But in Scripture, it teaches us that they had gentleness, that they were meek. Numbers 12 speaks to that with Moses. And we see it with David when Paul or when Saul praised him for his gentleness and his kindness and his gentleness. We must show patience or be long-suffering. This is the opposite of being short-fused. It is the opposite of, of speaking when listening is required. We need to open our ears more. Let us be tempered in our words and our actions to show the Spirit's control again in our life. These things, these are, if you, these are very similar to the fruits of the Spirit, are they not? Many of these things are, are fruits of the Spirit. Paul is leading us in on a little secret that he will give us in the fruits of the Spirit here. But the Spirit is in control. It's living in our lives. Let that be shown in our words and our actions. When we are long-suffering, those who get under our skin— and those that we find hard to love can become our much-loved and more-loved brothers and sisters in Christ. Friendships can develop this way when we start to consider one another. Consider where someone has come from. This is, this is something that God has shown me in my life. And I think I've had this conversation with my dad. But we need to consider where someone has come from and the things that they've endured in their life. It provides us with great perspective on who, where they are right now. If you think, man, I wish that person would just get on with it and, and figure this out, maybe, maybe they're getting there. 
Be patient with them. Be long-suffering. Be kind. I'm sure God in heaven is probably thinking, man, I wish Taylor would get this figured out. He's long-suffering with me. He's patient. He's kind. Consider one another. Consider personalities often clash with one another, so we must temper even the most natural fleshly of responses of our own personalities because we, we live by the Spirit. We are to live by the Spirit. I've said that, and I'll probably say it again. Allow the love of God to love others through you. This is what I pray sometimes with, with, some, with some people. God, I know you've commanded me to love my neighbor and everyone. Your love is stronger and more powerful than anything I could display, so I need you to love them through me. Some people we just struggle with. It's not necessarily them or us. There's just a, there's a clash there. If we're going to love them and remain unified together, the love of the Lord and love of God has got to be shown through us. God can help us with this. He can transform us in this. The word patience also speaks to being patient to the will of the Lord. Our calling or vocation isn't always so clear. Young people, we'll talk about this often in student ministry, a calling. And maybe even anybody in the room may be struggling with what, what is my calling? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to live this life? Well, sometimes waiting is required, folks. Sometimes we have to wait. And what are we to do during those periods of waiting? We are to do what we already know to do. We're to do what we already know to do. Remain faithful. Read the Bible. Pray. Come to church. Fellowship with other believers. These are things that we already know to do. These are things that God has already taught us. We know these things. These are basic things for the Christian to do. And as I look across this room, I see those of you who have remained faithful. Some of you have endured things in your life and things in this, this body of believers over the years, and, and it has been difficult. It's been hard. It's been a challenge for you. Things have not always worked out the way that you would like them to. Maybe you don't even like the songs that we do here, and that's fine. Maybe you don't even like the preacher. Maybe you don't even like anything that's going on, but you've remained faithful to God's church here on the hill at Airline. I see people like Mr. Clark. I see people like Rayburn and Vicki Smith. I see my parents, I see many of you who have remained faithful to this body of believers. And I thank you for it. I praise you for it. You are committed for the long haul. I know I, I'm tooting some horns here. I'm, I'm praising some people, maybe lifting some people up. But I'm also encouraging you, everyone here, to remain faithful to do what you already know to do. We are in a season of waiting, are we not? We are in a season of waiting for a pastor, for a student pastor, for a, a music pastor, 
We've got some things that need to be filled here. We are waiting. Let's be patient on the Lord. Maybe the Lord moves quickly. Maybe he doesn't. But let's be patient. Let's pray. Who should we pray for? Let's pray for the pastor search team. They would appreciate it. They would appreciate it. Let's pray for them. Let's lift them up. Let's ask that God would, would have their minds and their eyes and their hearts open to him as they search for the man who will, who will on a full-time basis, fulfill this pulpit. So I'm just a stand-in. Clint's just a stand-in. And we know that. We are looking for a pastor, so let's be patient as we wait. Let's be patient as God moves. I, I got to take a second. I mentioned Mr. Clark. I was cutting grass the other day, Mr. Clark. And I'd, uh, I'd already been thinking about you. But I remembered the day God saved you back here. And I, I don't know how old I was, but I, I remembered that day, and I remembered thinking, man, that was a good day. And we, we tarried a little bit long in invitation, and I, don't, I didn't understand it then. I was like, man, I'm, Mimi's got some, got some food down the hill. I'm ready to go eat. But as I look at it now, and I remember that day, we tarried long because the Lord was working in your heart and in your life to save you that day. And man, what, a, what an awesome day. What an awesome day. Thank you for being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to save you that day. Mm. I know I can't be the only one who remembers that. <laughs> Amen. Man, what a glorious day that was. Tolerance is a word that has become confused during our day. Paul's charge to be tolerant here is not that we tolerate sin. The world, the world wants us to tolerate every single thing that they want to do. Every single thing that goes against the Word of God. And I, I'm here to tell you, it's not, it's not going to be easy moving forward. I believe. If we're going to stand our ground, stand on the Word of God, things are going to be difficult to stand on. I'm not speaking politically. I'm not trying to speak really all that much about culture. I want us to understand as a culture of Christ who is following God's Word that there's going to be some difficult days ahead as we stand on truth. And I pray that we will all do what we will learn here in a few weeks in Ephesians 6 that we'll have on our full armor and that we'll stand firm, that we'll stand strong, that we'll be steadfast against the evil that comes against us, the evil of the world. But the charge is not that we tolerate sin, but that we have a Christ-like love. A Christ-like love. Did Christ tolerate the sin of his day? Certainly not. 
He called out the sin of his day. But in doing so, he drew people to himself. So if we're going to call out the sin of our day, and we're going to uh, do it with a loving way and a, and a Christ-like love, when we do that, we will draw others to his love. Now in the process, people will hate you as they hated Christ. But we must stand firm. We must love like Christ. This love allows us in some ways to see things the way Christ sees them. In student ministry, when, I, when I'm speaking with them in this way about this thing, I call this our, our Jesus-tinted glasses. Our Jesus-tinted glasses. As we are growing in the Lord and our salvation is being worked out, we begin to more and more see and understand things the way Jesus does. Never perfectly. We're never going to see and understand perfectly in the way that he does. But the Bible and the Holy Spirit allows us to love the unlovable. It gives us the strength to bear with the unbearable. It gives us the mercy for the unforgivable. Jesus sees the whole world, the whole world, all of it. And while he is disgusted with the depravity that he sees, he looks on his children with love tolerance and long-suffering and he is drawing those who may believe unto himself with this love through us in many ways we've got to be sensitive we've got to be sensitive as in not that every little thing hurts our feelings but sensitive as into the situation sensitive to to others and where they are sensitive to the holy spirit revealing in our lives the things that we need to clean out and also helping us realize the evil of the day that we live in let us be sensitive the word that, the words that paul has used are words that describe the character and person of god paul is urging us to act godly to live in this manner. Chapters 1, 2, and 3, they profess these great doctrinal statements that we've already looked at about who God is and what he has done. Therefore, finally in chapter 4, he implores us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Paul not only tells us how we are to live, he has done that here. He's told us how to live worthy of the calling under the power of the Spirit living in us, but why we are able to live in this way. It isn't because we hold some high intellect or because we are, uh, have this, have, uh, possess this great wisdom. Some of us are smart and some of us do have wisdom, but that is not how we are to live or why we are to why we are able to live this way verses four through six lays out for us where this strength and ability comes from let's read that just in case we've forgotten starting in verse four four there is one body one spirit just as also you are called in one hope of your calling one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God 
and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We are one body. We are one in Christ. Everyone from all times and all different places who have ever professed the name of Christ and been in Christ, we are all one. Later in this chapter, we're not going to talk about it today, I, I really wanted to go all the way to 16, but we would have been here for a really long time if I had done that. And I, I was telling them earlier, man, we could have preached four or five sermons just on what I'm trying to preach this morning. But later in this chapter, Paul is going to talk in more detail about the body. But here he wants us to begin to think about the body as one. We are, re, we are united because we are one in the body of Christ. The body of Christ unites us. Again, starting in verse 11, he's going to give us all these different parts of the body of Christ and how they are to work together. And if you are in Christ, you are a specific body part and serve a specific purpose. And you have meaning. And you, you have been given a certain calling. Let, let this not fall to the waste side of, of where we're thinking. Let this be at our forefront as we go through these next few weeks. Because we have many who have professed Christ, not just in the church, but the whole world over, who have professed Christ, but have never found their place in the church. And sometimes it's trial and error. I was a children's pastor for six months. That was trial and error. It was error. I got out of there. It was not for me. And everybody around me knew it was not for me. Me and the pastor sat down, and I was like, hey, this ain't working. And he was like, yeah, you're right, this ain't working. You've done the best you could, brother, but let's, you know, let's part ways, friendly. Sometimes we, we just got to find out what is working and what is not working. God has a specific thing for you to do in the body. One spirit. We're united because the spirit lives in each believer. We've already spoken about this in length this morning. But the same spirit that draws us to the saving grace of Christ is the same spirit that guides us through this life, that teaches us, that molds us, that shapes us convicts us, helps us understand who we are supposed to be. We are one spirit. We have one hope. This is not just a mere hope of something happening. You know, we, man, I, I sure do hope the Braves win today. They really need to win today. But in the grand scheme of things, that matters about this much, Right? This is not just some mere hope that the Braves win today. This is a certain hope. This is, this is some things that are certain to happen. What is happening? What will happen? These are certain things. Many things about the day today we do not know, but we can, one thing we can hold dearly to is the hope of Christ. That we are saved. Amen? We are saved. If you're in Christ, you're saved. We, we should be able to say amen to that. We are being saved. Paul calls us to work out our salvation. 
We are being saved. And one day, we will be eternally saved. And that should get a, a real good hearty amen. These are not my words. These are the words of the Lord and His Scripture here. That one day, we will, we will spend eternity with Him because we are in Christ. These are certain things. Things that we can hold dearly to. Life can have a way of, of dragging us down, hurting us, painful things, difficult things, financial things, marital things, work-related things. We have a hope that is secure and certain. We can hold dearly to that. Our certain hope unites us today and in the future. So we've got one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord. Christ is our Lord. Lord means master. Paul, as a prisoner of Christ, knows who his master is. He is not even considering, again, his Roman imprisonment, but he is considering his imprisonment to Christ, who is his master. We have one Lord. And he is the head of the church, and he is the head of our lives. This one Lord that guides all of us and, and is over us in this church unites us together as we seek to follow him. One faith, the faith that we have does two things. We are united in one faith based on the redeeming work of Christ on the cross. Salvation requires faith. The other way is the doctrine of faith. This faith is contained in the Word of God. It teaches us how to believe and how to, be and how to behave based on what we believe. So we have, we have this faith that is required for salvation, but we also have this faith of living that unites us together based on, how, uh, based on what we believe it teaches us how to behave. It unites us together and holds us together as we are transformed by the saving work of Christ. We have one baptism. This isn't only referring to the baptism of water, but also to our baptism in Christ when we are saved. It's true that our, our public baptism in water identifies to the world who we are and whose we are. It does that, right? It does that. But it does not save. It does not save. Water baptism does not save. Christ alone can save. The washing away of our sins unites us together because as chapter 2 teaches us, again, we were all dead, thank you, in our sins, but now we are alive in Christ. We were once dead, but now we collectively are alive. This is unity. This is togetherness. We were once this way, now collectively and individually, we are all this way in the body of Christ. We have one God. His position is that of creator and sustainer. I love, I love this last little bit. One God and Father of all who is over all, 
What's that mean? He's in charge of it all. He is powerful. He is through all. What's that mean? He, he is involved in everything. He is in there. And then the last part, in, in all. And the grass, my crabgrass grows because the Lord wants it to. And he is in it, causing it to grow. The things that we see around us, us personally, he, he is causing my kids to grow much faster than I would appreciate. But he is in that. He is creator. He is sustainer. He gives us breath. He gives us life. He gives us heartbeat. He gives us thoughts. He causes the things to do in our mind to keep us alive. He is in all things. He is the sustainer of all things. I'm moving my stuff here. That is his position. We are one because of who he is. His person is that of father. So his position is creator and sustainer. But his person is that of father. And what does a, what does a father do? A father loves and cares and protects takes care of our heavenly father does this for us he loves us he protects us he provides for us and he cares for our needs he hears us when we pray and answers our pleas we can where you are or down here or in the car you can go to your heavenly father and speak to him and he hears you it don't always feel that way, but he hears you. He knows your cries. He knows your pleas. He's taking full responsibility for us, and that's special. I'm a lot to be responsible for. I fail, and I, I sin, and I make mistakes all the time, and God said, that's okay, son. I love you. I sent my son for you to die for you so that I could wash you in his blood and when I look at you I see him so he takes responsibility for us not only in this life has he taken responsibility for us but also for eternity church let's be encouraged this morning Let's be encouraged. No matter our condition on this earth, no matter our faults, our flaws, we have a heavenly Father who is here with us and has a place prepared for us. He is such a good God. He is a good, good Father. He is a good, good Father. Guys, if y'all come, as we try to close this thing out, the challenge that Paul gives here is personal. He is addressing the individual and the church. So personally, what is your relationship with Christ? Are you one with the body of Christ? Do you know him? Has he saved you? 
Are you forgiven? Are you being faithful to Christ and his church? Are you here? Are you all in? Are you committed? So the challenge is personal. The challenge Paul gives us here is also powerful. It has weight to it. He isn't asking you to do something that he hasn't or isn't doing himself. Are you committed to the cause of Christ? Are you living with unconfessed sin in your life? See, these are things that disturb the unity and cause us not to be able to work together. If you're not committed to the cause or you have unconfessed sin in your life, it messes up what God is trying to do. Not that you have the power to, to disrupt Him, but the spirit of unity is disrupted and caused issue there when we are not together, when we have unconfessed sin. Are you serving Him daily? Finally, the call is personal, the call is powerful, the challenge is practical. The manner we are called to live may not be easy at times, but it is possible. We, got, we, we have to submit ourselves to the work of Christ and to the Holy Spirit. We have to do these practical things. Read daily. Pray often. Come to church. fellowship with believers. Those are four practical things that we can do as individuals, as followers of Christ. As we pray, consider these things that are before us today that are found in God's Word. And if you feel a response is necessary, please come forward. Cry out to our God who hears. He is able to save and sustain and provide for you all the things that you need. He's able to hold us together in unity. Let's be obedient to this call. Let's pray. Father, take these words this morning. Use them for your glory and your kingdom. They have power. They are alive. Your word is, is ever true and always good, Father. Father, let it reign supreme. This morning as we consider an invitation, a call, a response, God, is there one here that does not know you? God, draw them to yourself. Give them, the, give them what they need to, to come forward today or where, right there where they're at to pray, ask forgiveness. Believe that, that you are who you say you are. Believe in, the, in, in Jesus, in the cross, in his resurrection, in the blood. Draw men and women to yourself. The church member, the Christian here this morning, are they faithful, Father? Pray that you'll show them, that you'll convict them if they're not. And that they will get on board and be all in. God, that we will all together be patiently waiting on you, serving you with our last breath as we long to do as you had called us to do. 
Father, have your way this morning. Be in control. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Come if you will. Yeah. 
Thank y'all for being here this morning. Amen. I think it's been a great day in, in God's house to hear his word and to worship with you. Truly enjoyed it. Truly been a blessing in my life. I pray for you this week that God will use you and God will hold you and comfort you and keep you this week as he has promised to do. Remember Wednesday night. It is, I feel it is so important. <laughs> it's important to me that you be here, that your students be here, that your parents be here. I want us to be together, united as one, moving forward, following God. I want you to be in the adult class. I want you to be in the women's class. I want you learning and studying God's Word together, uniting as one, fellowshipping together. And that's what it's really about. When we're together and we're fellowshipping in His Word, that's, that is where truth comes from. That's where it happens right there. So, Children in preschool. Yeah, it'll be back. yeah, birth to whatever. Everybody, all right? <laughs> everybody. So there'll be is a place for every rule? single person yeah, drawing right. breath. So, so come be a part, okay? I love you. Let's pray before we, before we head out. Darren, will you pray close us out this morning?